This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey everybody, this is Andrew. I just wanted to go ahead and give you a quick heads up about some of the audio quality in this episode. We were very privileged to be joined by Kenji Fujishima from InReview Online to discuss Captain Phillips. And unfortunately, he was having some microphone problems. So we did our best to, to talk with him and to have him on and to work through the problem. But as a result, his audio is not quite as crisp and clear as we normally prefer. It's still pretty understandable. I hope that you will bear with us. We, we ended up having a pretty good conversation about Captain Phillips and just the whole idea of depicting true life events on film. So uh, yeah, it was a good conversation. I hope that you will uh, give it a listen. Thanks so much for supporting Film Geek Radio, and we'll be back next week with our review of Carrie. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? Pretty good. Not a pirate in sight to hijack my day. <laughs> well, that's good. Yes. This is episode number 68 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Captain Phillips. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general 10-minute long uh, spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. And the second part, which you're listening to right now, is a more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one. Again, this is part two. So if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening right now and go check out part one of our conversation on Captain Phillips. Uh, before we get started, though, I am privileged to introduce a special guest. He is the editor-in-chief of In Review Online and a contributor to Slant Magazine and The Wall Street Journal, Kenji Fujishima. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. No problem. Good to have you here. Uh, as always, our listeners can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com. I'm also glad to announce that we have a brand new voicemail line at 336-793-2509. We would love to hear from you, uh, so just call in and leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you thought of Captain Phillips, and who knows, maybe we'll play your thoughts on the air next week. Again, that number is 336-793-2509. This week we're talking about Captain Phillips. I'm going to assume that if you're listening to part two, you've already seen the film. So before we get started, here's a clip. Four pirates on board. Four pirates coming towards us down the main deck. Lock down the bridge. Yeah. Listen up. We have been boarded by four armed pirates. You know the drill. We stay hidden no matter what. I don't want any hostages. Soccer, soccer. We stay locked down until help arrives. No one comes out until you hear the non-duress password from me, which is supper time. Jesus. If the pirates find you, remember, you know the ship. They don't. Make them feel like they're in charge, but keep them away from the important things like the generator and the engine controls. Stick together. 
and we'll be all right. Good luck. All right. Well, let's really dive into this movie and talk about Captain Phillips. Kenji, I'm going to start with you. What were your overall impressions of Captain Phillips? Did you like this film? Ultimately, no, but I, as, as usual with me, I tend to have very, let's put it this way, nuanced reactions to things, especially something as, I guess, kind of thorny as I think Captain Phillips is. Essentially, I think it's a very well-done thriller, but not one that, uh, for something that, that tackles this kind of really topical issue of, like, Somali piracy and economic uh, issues in the world, it, it feels like I, I, I felt it was very shallow and not particularly enlightening, as very compelling, as compelling as it was to watch. I do think the performances kind of helped, but ultimately I, I found it kind of not a very useful movie. Well, that was not what I was expecting. I was expecting you to come on, Kenji, and say that you loved this movie because so many (laughs) other critics are saying that they love this movie. And then I was expecting that you and I were going to get into a really huge argument about it. But no, it looks like that's not going to happen because... We're actually all in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, Monica, I think of the three of us, you probably liked it the most. Yeah, I really got swept up in that action at the beginning darn it <laughs> oh no I, I i don't deny like paul greenrath is very good with action it's just that when he tackles like this kind of space on real event stories like this in 1993 like I, I, it feels to me like that he's using that but not really cutting very deep because i mean he, he has different aims than like other like political filmmakers like, like, he wants to put you in experience like just i think ultimately like, for me the question is that was kind of what left me kind of wondering so hmm. Kenji did you just say you're not a big fan of United 93 again I'm kind of split between admiration of the craft and uh, of the movie and kind of what point it has <laughs> oh my god thank you Kenji you're you're like my new best friend now it seems like lately Whenever someone brings up Paul Greengrass on Twitter or when I'm talking to someone and they say and they bring up Paul Greengrass, we'll start talking about United 93 and everybody loves United 93 and I hate United 93 and I can't I cannot stand that movie and I'm you're like the first person I've met who also is not a big fan of that movie. I, I have great let's put it this way, I have grave reservations about again kind of about it. Especially as like a, a movie that deals with 9/11. I mean, it's all well and good that he like recreates these things, but even then, it's kind of the way he does it. He also, I mean, in 993, he's very clever about like you know he, he has music, but it's very like low key. But it's still kind of like essentially like it's very it's very thorny in the way it kind of turns that kind of thing into entertainment as it like tries to not come off as just plain explicit, you know, entertainment. Very clever about that, but that's the line that it toes, and, and that, that's kind of what made me uncomfortable about it. So. Yeah, and in a weird way, I think I have the same problem with Captain Phillips that I have with United 93, though, though not to such a great extent. In United 93, I felt like Paul Greengrass was so concerned with making things feel real and harrowing and, and, and being accurate and, like, in some situations, casting 
uh, real-life people that were involved as their respective characters in the film. I felt like he was so concerned with that that he forgot to make a point or really say anything meaningful about what happened on 9-11. And here with Captain Phillips, I felt like he, like, again, it just goes through the motions of what happened. But I came away not really feeling like the movie had anything interesting to say about what happened. Well, I was going to say that I think what, for, for me, Captain Phillips was an interesting experience, if only, because I didn't double check this before this conversation, but I believe Greengrass comes from a journalism background, right? I think what he thinks he's doing is that in presenting events, I guess, in, as, as realistically as possible, he's kind of putting his faith in the material to kind of speak for itself. And I think that's what his rationale is for... He's trying to present, to, to a certain extent, movies as, like, journalism in some way. At the very least, I remember that's what some people were saying about the Oh, this is journalism. Or something like that. Cinematic journalism. And I think, kind of, to some extent, that's what he's trying to do in Captain Phillips, too. He doesn't stress things like, for instance, Tom Hanks' Captain Phillips and Musée, the lead hijacker. He doesn't stress, like, I mean, in the script, I think there's supposed to be a kind of, like, in some way. Greengrass doesn't necessarily like force the issue, he just kind of presents it within the context of this really harrowing, action-packed, tension-filled situation and trust that we in the audience are smart enough to kind of, you know, look at that and, I guess, draw our own conclusions based on what it shows us. That, that's what I believe is his message. I don't, I don't know how, how much I'd want to go down this road as far as asking, like, what the responsibility of an artist is to like commenting on situations like this, where like because Greengrass, I think, tries to kind of stand back, and that seems a bit like he's kind of evading responsibility of artists to maybe like make more of a direct comment on what he's showing, as opposed to just allowing his movie to be like some kind of political or shack test or something like that. Right, I I can totally see what you're saying, and and I kind of come from the perspective of, you know, when I go to a movie. I want to see some evidence of an artistic viewpoint. You know, I don't necessarily want to be shown something quote unquote objective um, because film by its very nature is not objective. As much as like, you know, journalists try to achieve objectivity, it's not fully possible. Right. And I, I kind of feel like if I just wanted to know what happened, and witness what happened. I could read about it online. I could watch a documentary about it. There's no need for me to sit here and watch actors reenact events that happened unless the director is going to put an interesting stamp on it or or present it in a way that enlightens me or, or has something to say. And that's that's ultimately the reason I didn't like United 93. It's why I wasn't a really a huge fan of uh, Zero Dark Thirty. I was going to say, actually, I'm not a big Zero Dark Thirty fan either. Kenji! Andrew met your soulmate. Oh, <laughs> your soulmate. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you and I are going to be best friends from now on, Kenji. I know. I feel like I'm going to get dumped here. Are you sure that you're not, like, my evil twin or something? I don't know about evil, but... <laughs> <laughs> my doppelganger. 
There you go. Anyway, Monica, what are your thoughts on on this whole conversation about the responsibility of the artist to, or, or you know, and, and objectivity in terms of how how they present facts? I mean, even in terms of objectivity, then you, wouldn't you want to present both sides equally? Right. I mean, that would be my argument on that. As well as I am, I do as a sociologist, I do hold media makers and artists responsible for the things they do say because it is coming from a place art is not created in a vacuum it's obviously repeating beliefs and practices and norms and things you know that a culture holds on to and films is a very public form of art and it's seen by millions of people and obviously this is going to get distributed internationally and all that jazz you know i think there is a bit of responsibility on the filmmaker that they be held accountable for what they create. Yeah, I, I suppose it does also, as far as Captain Phillips goes, I, I do find it interesting, like, because it, in seeing some of the reactions to the movie, I've, I've heard some people say that it kind of, especially in the second half of the movie, like, basically, the rescue attempt. There are mm-hmm. some people that have made the case that, that the movie is basically turns into this rah-rah, action, like, maybe rescue movie or something. Even that, I'm, I'm not quite sure, like, fully buy into that, but that's only because I, I'm not entirely sure where Green Grass or, or even screenwriter Billy Ray stands on that. It's just, they're too, I, I feel like it's just that they're so busy with trying to, with their, with trying to make a great, like a very exciting thriller that they, they, that they haven't said, they kind of debate those, those issues. And that's why I kind of find, found it um, interesting, but also rather unsatisfying overall yeah i found the whole second half of the movie pretty boring honestly because if you know how it ultimately turns out then it's really nothing but these uh this group of guys in the lifeboat and as an audience member i'm just waiting for what i know is going to happen to hurry up and happen there wasn't enough of a human element there to really pull me in and 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 really i i wasn't really very invested in either captain phillips or muse or, or muse how, however you pronounce it to really care ultimately what happened they make little attempts to humanize the pirates like we discover that muse is only doing what he does because there's a warlord attacking his village and tom hanks makes repeated attempts to tell the youngest Somali pirate to, like, keep his head down because he's just a kid and we're not supposed to want the teenager to get shot. But that just was not enough for me to really view them as human beings. And it did feel ultimately pretty black and white to me. Like, you got the good guys and you got the bad guys and the pirates are the bad guys. There wasn't very much gray which is what I feel like true life and and real events by their very nature are. Very rarely in life do we encounter a situation that is actually black and white. So that was very disappointing to me. Well, the tricky thing about, I think, Greengrass's message is that I I think there could be shades of gray that are perhaps touched upon in straight lines of dialogue here and there, but... As he presented, like, it's just, you know, Captain Phillips is a very experiential, like, there are certain moments that are, like, tentpole lines of dialogue or monologue that stay that state theme, but essentially it's a very experiential movie, so. So, in that context, how much deeper issues and complexities are you going to get in mad rush in these situations? That's kind of the tricky thing about his method, and why, I guess, 
some people are willing are able to go along with it and not really question it. My, my experience as I was watching the movie was like, for instance, I think there's a moment in the second half of the movie where Tom Hanks, as Captain Phillips, says to Muse, why do you feel a need to have to engage in this kind of piracy? You don't have to do this sort of thing. And I think Muse says something like, if only there was another way. Captain Phillips says, well, there's got to be another way. And then Muse just says, well, maybe in America. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's a very suggestive line of dialogue. And I suppose, suppose as, film, I, as film critics, we're obligated to... We, we should judge what's on screen, not what's not on the screen. But, I mean, also, part of me was kind of like, there are, like, issues here about, like, I don't know, third world exploitation and whole... Oh, no, you should totally be able to judge the subtext of, of movies, yeah. Well, and there's all this kind of, like like political history and how it affects the personal that the movie is not I mean it, it touches on it but it doesn't really I wanted more of it I know that's not necessarily if, if it was to explore more it would kind of break the, the, the way the movie works as just kind of an experience like a, like a real thrilling like experience but that's why for me I found it watchable and at times thrilling and compelling but not in the way that I think it could have been. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I fully agree with you. Um, and even when it comes to Captain Phillips as a character, I mean, I was just, I took a casual look at the Wikipedia page <laughs> for the film, and apparently there's already a lot of controversy about how Captain Phillips is depicted in the film. Really? Apparently, there are a lot of people that in real life say, that Captain Phillips, it was all his fault, and that he kind of got them into this mess, and he was he wasn't really following protocol, and he didn't handle the hijacking uh, in the proper way. And I, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, that would have been an inter- a more interesting movie to me if our supposed hero was actually not a very good guy. He was a screw-up. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a screw-up, and it was all his fault. You know, but that wouldn't, maybe that wouldn't sit as well with audiences. That's not exactly the gung-ho American hero that we want to No, but in. it would have made a stronger character arc. You are right about that, because I, I, I did kind of get that sense that, wow, he did... He performed a little bit too well. His character, not Tom Hanks. Like, he did everything right, and then, you know, he's... He's just going along with what happens, and it was just one little mistake that ends him in the boat, the life raft floating off. So right, but apparently there are a lot of people that say no, he 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 wasn't even supposed to be in those waters anyway, and that there had been a lot of warnings about piracy and hijackings that he had kind of ignored. So yeah, apparently in real life, Captain Phillips may not be quite the uh, the calm, cool, under-pressure hero that he was depicted as in the film. Two things about this. First of all, um, I assume this movie, though, was made like with like his blessing or input or something. Oh, yeah. I think they used his book for yeah, influence. Yeah, it's based on his book. Yeah. Granted, like, yeah, if, if, if that is all true, then I suppose that, that, that raises questions about whitewashing for the sake of, like, entertainment or making it go down easier for audiences. But, on the, but you know, my attitude generally is just, you know, I, I don't necessarily place a clean on historical matches. Mm. 
Right. And normally I, I'm I'm with you, Kenji. Normally I would much rather a a movie not be accurate if that's gonna make it a more interesting film. But this is one of those cases where I feel like real life and, and this controversy and this grayness, so to speak, is much more interesting than what we ultimately saw on screen. Yeah, some pretty interesting stuff here. I just pulled it up to very conflicting statements, so Maybe that that should be a follow up. Maybe that's our remake right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of remakes, I do. I don't know if you guys saw the movie, the Danish movie Hijacking earlier. No, but I've been meaning to see that. Have you seen it? Is it? How does it compare? Well, first of all, it's very low key. But that the reason for that is it's not really focused on the Somali side of things at all. It's focused more on the people on the ship who are hijacking victims and the business bigwigs that are trying to negotiate for their freedom from the pirates. So, I mean, in that sense, then Captain Phillips, by trying to give a, give a voice to the other side, okay, the Somali pirates, it is, I mean, it has good intentions in that regard. Hijacking is interesting because the hijacking itself in that film is not even shown. It's like, it's represented by a phone call. He gets a call, like, oh, we've been, that ship's been hijacked. And then, like, the next thing is the pirates on the ship are in. So there's no, there's no procedural look at, like, how they got on the boat and all that stuff. And there's certainly, and there's definitely none of that, uh, none of that Hans Zimmer-like music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely moments of the score, especially near the end, where I got a real Hans Zimmer Dark Knight vibe, and I was like, oh, really? Is, is this the type of music that's really appropriate right now? I don't know. It, it kind of pulled me out of the film. I also do want to, because like I said, I, my, my reaction to Captain Phillips overall is, I would like to say, like, nuanced. So, I mean, I, I again, I recognize what it's trying to do, and, but I'm not sure, I guess, of the ultimate value of it. But I also right. have to say that the last five minutes of the movie when the situation is basically resolved, the wails that Tom Hanks utters forth after the ordeal is over and then the shell shot that he expresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I have issues with the movie, those are some really harrowing moments and one of the best things I've seen Tom Hanks do as an actor. I don't know yeah. if you guys are it was, No, it was really like as powerful as I found it viscerally. I also kind of thought, yeah, I still didn't quite get the sense I really knew Captain Cook. I agree that that was one of the best scenes of the movie, because I had also sort of lost attention, or like, it, it just seemed like that second half just goes on way too long, and so then it's kind of like brought back down to earth with this very real moment. So I, I did like the ending a lot. It almost like kind of brought tears to my eyes, just because how how broken down Tom Hanks was getting. I was actually thinking that, and we mentioned Zero Dark Thirty earlier, Catherine Bigelow. I, I kind of thought of, in some ways, as far as an experience, like a movie that's very experiential in a way that I think is valuable, The Hurt Locker. For me, at least, the experience of watching that, you know, very, ten- like, very tense. Like, a lot of set pieces about, like, you know, Bond and the threat of death hanging over these characters. And then there's this one character who, played by Jeremy Renner, there's kind of this question about whether he derives certain pleasure out of this kind of, kind of situation. He's very 
his kind of uh, line of work. And I think what's interesting about the movie, because towards the end, we see him back in, like, as a civilian. And the way Bigelow screws up the tension throughout the movie, and then there's this, and then we see him at home, and not only do we see him kind of relatively word at, back at home, but we, like, for me at least, I actually felt like that sense of, like, boredom that, 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 that feels, feels like, yeah, I, I can kind of understand why he would actually go back. Yeah, the the I I agree with you both that the final scene of Captain Phillips is really great, and Tom Hanks gives a fantastic performance where he's just he's just in shock and he doesn't he's disoriented he doesn't really know what to do and it's a wonderful scene. The, my problem is I feel like I should have been there with him, and by the end of the film I needed to to be that exhausted and that confused and that just kind of drained by everything that had happened and I wasn't. I, I was not emotionally invested in him as a character enough to feel what he was feeling. And so there was a definite disconnect there, unlike uh, the, in The Hurt Locker, as you brought up, Kenji, where you're right, that movie is just so intense that by the end you do get a real sense of where the character is coming from and you kind of feel that yourself. And, and that just wasn't really present in Captain Phillips. Well, any, any other final thoughts on Captain Phillips? Anything else that either of you would like to talk about? No. <laughs> no? I mean, it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page with this movie. I know. It's weird to be all on the same boat for once. <laughs> Again, it, it, feels, it feels like the Rorschach plot. I was going to say that the Rorschach uh, test is actually pretty accurate because so many people have come away with saying it's either a critique of military might or it's um, a show of strength of American imperialism. So it's many different sides to the same story, and I'm not sure that actually shows that. I don't know if it means like his agenda didn't come through or maybe he wasn't telling the story strong enough for his you know, ideas to break through. So it's kind of a tough call. If there was an agenda behind the film, I didn't see it. it yeah. there, none of none of the characters or the issues were developed well enough for me to get a real sense of what Paul Greengrass was trying to say, if anything. I, I wanted more of that. I wanted more background. I wanted more of a sense of who these people were outside of the uh, the events of this film, and unfortunately we didn't get much of that. But uh, I think that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of Captain Phillips here on Cinema Fix. Uh, don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Carrie. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So please, please, please write us a review. We would love to hear from you. You can also call us at 336-793-2509 and uh, leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you thought of Captain Phillips in our review. Let us know, did the movie work for you? Are we being too harsh on it? Again, that number is 336-793-2509. Uh, and don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, The Nerdy Projectors, and our two newest podcasts about uh, TV. We've got The Briefing Room, which is all about the third season of Homeland, and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, which is all about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. Kenji, it has been great having you on the show. Where can people find more of your work? 
Well, all those sites listed, and well, technically I have a log, which is called My Life at 24 Frames Per Second. That's at uh, mylife24fps.blogspot.com. And are you on Twitter? Yes, yes, uh, I am on Twitter, uh, KenjFuj, K-E-N-J-F-U-J. All right, Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies, that's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And I'm the captain now. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!